This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from 2 Samuel chapter 19. The verses are 9 through 30. And the title of this week's lesson is David Returns to Jerusalem. From the New King James, the text reads, Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So King David sent to Zadok and Abathar the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Since the words of all Israel have come to the king, to his very house. You are my brethren. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me, continually in place of Joab. <clears throat> so he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king, Return, you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgah to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shemai, the king of Gera, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was from Barim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons, and his twenty servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. Now Shemai, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here am I, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Saruai, answered and said, Shall not Shammai be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zurai, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shammai, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. Now Mephisheth, the son of Saul, 
came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant, deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king. But my lord, the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were dead men before my lord, the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out any more to the king? So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephishoseth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. Praise God's almighty and divine word. So here we have David returning to Jerusalem. Let's recount what we know to this point. The battle between his own armies and the forces of Absalom was only the beginning of David's becoming king of Judah and Israel again. The kingdom was in political turmoil when the battle was over. Let's uh, look at these events that led to David's exit and his return to his seat of power in Jerusalem. At the beginning of the conflict, it is not clear how much time passed between David's leaving Jerusalem and the army of Absalom's crossing the Jordan. The delay allowed David to regroup. David's former wise man, Ahithophel, advised Absalom at the beginning of the revolt concerning two matters. He advised Absalom to set up a tent on the rooftop and go into his father's concubines. This would show all Israel that the struggle between David and Absalom was a complete break with the former inhabitant of the palace. David or Absalom would not survive the conflict. Ahithophel also advised Absalom to put 12,000 men under his command and to allow him to pursue David and kill him before he could establish himself at another place. Hushai, another wise man of David, contradicted the advice of Ahithophel, and Absalom took this advice that seemed to give him more glory. When Ahithophel saw that Absalom followed the counsel of Hushai, he killed himself because he understood the battle to be lost and he would be held accountable for his rebellious advice. The battle went to David's united forces. Subsequently, 
David had many things to do to set his kingdom in order after he learned Absalom, his son, had died in battle. He had to stabilize his command structure. Joab's independent bloodlust actions would not be tolerated, therefore he was replaced and would later pay for his actions with his life, 1 Kings 2, verses 5 and 6. David had many enemies who demonstrated their pursuit of self-interest in their lack of support for David. However, there were others who remained loyal. The problem for David was to discern between the two factions and deal accordingly. There was confusion all over Israel. Verse 9. The people were in a dispute. What we had here is a patricidal struggle between David and Absalom. David had been a warrior for Jehovah in times past. However, at the initial movement of Absalom into Jerusalem, David fled, leaving his friends and supporters in a precarious situation. Should they flee with the king or remain with the challenger? After the concluding battle, most of the people were prepared to accept David back as king. However, the elders were not so sure it was the right thing to do since he had fled from the rebellion, trust was an issue. Aware of the delicate political situation, David sought help from the trusted priests Zadok and Abathar. There were through there were three. Let's look at uh, our lesson verses eleven and twelve. There were three different political interest groups the royalists who supported David, the rebels who had sided with Absalom, and then those who were merely interested in a peaceful resolution. In verse 9, it talks about the dispute that was in Israel, and we go down then to verse 11 and 12, where David sent the priests to Judah and instructed them as to how to placate those who were uh, had been uh, unsure about whether David should return. What was needed was a collective affirmation, a sort of re-election as king uh, in order for David to feel secure. He remained some time on the east side of the Jordan in anticipation of being invited back. To some point then, subsequently, the invitation was given without the concurrence of Judah. The loyal priests on behalf of David, as mentioned, encouraged the elders of Judah to bring David back to power. To placate Concern, verse 13, David appointed Amasa, the former leader of Absalom forces, 
as commander of his army. Amasa, like Joab, was David's nephew. In this offer of the commander-in-chief to the rebel general, David adopted a bold move to remove Joab and seek conciliation and cohesiveness of the army. Perhaps David pointed out that Joab had disobeyed his specific order about Absalom in chapter 18 and verse 5. He probably could have added that if Joab claimed it necessary to kill Absalom, he, David, was doing what was necessary to reunite the nation. Verse 14. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah. Whereas Absalom stole the hearts of men of Israel. Chapter 15, verse 6. David had moved them back to his side. Verse 15. Then the king returned and came to Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. Gilgal was an important symbolic religious center near Jericho. This is the same location where Saul was made king. 1 Samuel 11, verses 14 through 15, and where Saul was deposed, 1 Samuel 15, verses 21 through 23. Earlier, Gilgal was the site where Joshua had set up 12 stones memorializing the site the priests had stood with the ark, where the priests had stood with the ark of the covenant. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. Shemiel appeared when David was running for his life, 2 Samuel 16 and verse 5. He is said to be from Barum, a city associated with Benjamin. The city appears to be on, have been on David's route as he traveled eastward um, away uh, from the conflict from Jerusalem toward the Jordan on his retrograde movement. At that time, Shemiel, a Benjamite, cursed the king. After the defeat of Absalom, Shemiel came with the men of Judah to affirm his loyalty. Verse 16, other Benjamites came as well, a thousand of them. Verse 17, Ziba, a Benjamite whom David had given responsibility for the care of Mephishoseth, came. Ziba had expressed loyalty to David in chapter 16 and verse 1 when the king fled Jerusalem. He came with an escort of people from Jerusalem and a remnant of Saul's family. David crossed the Jordan into the Transjordan area of Canaan. When the opportunity arose, Shemiel went before the king and begged for mercy for his previous disrespect. In verse 19, Abishai spoke before the king could respond. Shall not Shemiel be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? David, however, magnanimously, 
indicated he was not interested in further bloodshed. Here we have the statesman David showing up. Turning to Shemiel, he said, You shall not die. Verse 23. David understood the power of forgiveness. He needed it, and so did others. Application here. It would have been easy for David to take vengeance upon Shemiel for the spiteful way he treated him as he fled from Jerusalem. Instead, David chose to be merciful. Shemiel asked for forgiveness, and David was willing to grant it. Although it is tempting to harbor ill will toward those who wrong us, we must follow David's example. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 5 and verse 7. Jesus also said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. That's Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15. We extend mercy to others because we need mercy. David's return to Jerusalem drew the attention of the nation. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan and grandson of Saul. David had previously shown great kindness to Mephibosheth by not only providing him with the land belonging to his father and grandfather, but also allowing him to eat at David's table in the palace. That's Samuel 9 and verse 7. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth did not join the band of exiles when they fled from Jerusalem. Ziba told David that Mephibosheth refused to leave because he believed the kingdom would be restored to Saul's house, a charge that Mephibosheth disputed in chapter 16 and verse 3. David's encounter here reminds us to be cautious regarding who or what we believe. When Ziba brought provisions to David and his men as they evacuated Jerusalem, he told David that Mephibosheth longed to be made king, 2 Samuel 16, 24 and verse 3. Who was telling the truth? Again, determining intent is very difficult. David, in his wisdom and function as king, divided Saul's former land between the two men. As we recall, Solomon used a similar test to determine which woman's baby was alive in 1 Kings 3, verse 16 following. He proposed the baby be cut in two to reveal who the real mother was. Jesus told his followers to be wise as serpents and harmless as dove. Matthew 10 and verse 16. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, let him take it in verse 30. Let him take it, the land, the whole estate, as David had given it to him. He was content that the grant should stand. 
inasmuch as my Lord the King has come back in peace to his house. This is a demonstration of a strong expression of affection for return for the return of the rightful king. The book of 2 Samuel continues to show us the virtue of humility, the destructiveness of pride, and the faithfulness of God's promise. We see David succeed and fail, and we see God's promise for a future king. The book of 2 Samuel is all about leadership and wisdom, choices, and foreshadows Jesus Christ as the perfect king we all must follow. This lesson is yours. I pray that something has been said that is both uplifting and edifying. Next week's lesson comes from 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 28 through 47. And the title of next week's lesson is David Chooses Solomon. <clears throat> Again, 1 Kings 1, verses 28 through 47. Let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> Almighty, everlasting Father God, maker of all creation, we approach your throne of grace with humility and awe. We are most thankful. We are thankful, Father, for all the many blessings you have bestowed upon us from our earliest beginnings down to this present moment in time. We recognize and appreciate the many promises that your covenants of love have provided for humankind in the word, in the truth of your Son and our Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice on that cruel tree, the sacrifice of his precious blood that washes away the sins that so easily beset us when we walk in his light and reflect your light when we repent and seek a closer walk with you, Father. We know you are a God of second chances, and we thank you for that. We know you are the loving God of all creation, our God, who sits high and looks low. We thank you, Father, for being our God. We thank you for the commission that you have given us to go out. And we ask for the zeal and commitment to be able to go out in the world and bring souls to you. We ask that your loving arm of protection be extended to the poor, both near and far, the weak, the confused, those among us who are on their bed of affliction, strengthen them. Those who are suffering this day, clear their minds, focus their minds on you, Father, and help us to help them and help us to recognize all the need that is around us 
and do those things that you would have us to do in Christian charity. Father, we pray for all within the sound of my voice. Build us up where we are torn down and give us those things we stand in need of to grow closer to you. Thank you for the opportunity to study another portion of your holy and divine word, and we pray that everything we have said and done this day goes down to your glory. These and many other blessings and favors we ask in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us all reach out in Christian love and touch someone with hope and opportunity this week. Let us all count it joy, count it all joy. Stay safe. Bye for now.